Today, Pastor Ken Santos continues our series, Summer in the Psalms, with a message from Psalm 19. We're going to be in the summer, we're in the summer of Psalms, and we're going to be in Psalm 19 this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn them to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. If you're using a Bible app, that's fine too. Um, go ahead and show the person next to you that you're not catching Pokemon and that you are indeed on your Bible app, right? So Psalm 19. David says, for the director of music, this is a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 19. Would you pray with me today? Lord, that is our prayer. Psalm 19. This psalm is our prayer that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Reveal yourself to us today in a special way. You've revealed it to us already through your works in creation, but reveal yourself to us in a special way through your enduring word. And so we receive your word this morning. Make it alive in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. And amen. Psalm 19 is regarded as one of the most eloquent writings in all the Bible and in all of literature for that matter. C.S. Lewis described Psalm 19 by saying, I take this to be the greatest poem in the Psalter, in the Psalms, and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. All of the Psalms are structured as poetry, say poetry. Yeah, they're lyrical, they are musical. But not only is this psalm a poetic psalm, it is also wisdom, wisdom literature. Say wisdom. So poetry and wisdom is embedded in this psalm. It displays remarkable uh, scientific insights as well as a profound spiritual truth. And there are three sections in this psalm, and I've outlined those for you in your notes. 
verses 1 through 6. It's a testimony of God's works, say works, and it's followed by a testimony of God's word, say his word. All right, so his works and his word, and then the last section is our response to God's works and God's word. So the first section, his works, are general revelation. How has God generally revealed himself to us through creation? The second is through his word, it's a special revelation. How has he given to us the law, the words from his mouth, so that he can reveal himself to us in a special way, in an intimate way? And so we're going to dive right into this psalm. All right, you guys ready? The heavens declare the glory of God, the glory of God. Now, David wrote this psalm, and if you know David and his life, he wasn't always a king. He was a shepherd boy, and he was a musician, a gifted one at that. So I could imagine David as, as a young teenager, as a young lad. He's out in the open fields, and he is watching his sheep, and he pre- probably has a musical instrument with him, pre- maybe a harp or an accordion. No, I play the accordion. But he has a musical instrument, and he's out there late at night with his sheep, and he is observing the heavens. And I'm sure he spent a lot of time under the heavens, and he would always be reminded of the first verse in all of Scripture. You guys know that verse? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. So he's looking at the heavens, And he's in awe, and he's inspired. But he's not just inspired by the the stars and the heavens and, and, and what's out there. He is inspired and in awe by the God who created it all. Because these heavens declare the glory and the majesty and the splendor of God. The Apostle Paul understood this. In Romans 1.20, he said, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Paul's point was that people have no excuse for not knowing God. You have no excuse for not thanking God. All you got to do is look at the creation around you. In God's creation, he's revealed himself in a general way. This is general revelation. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Now that word skies, the term skies, refers to everything in between heaven and earth. Everything in between. Genesis 1-7 talks about this expanse, this vault, this space between heaven and earth. And that's the term used for skies. It includes the planets, the 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 sun, the moon, the stars, the atmosphere, the birds of the air even, everything that is in between heaven and earth. And all of these things proclaim the work of his hands. They draw attention to the creative activity of God. And they point to God's transcendence. Would you say transcendence? Transcendence. What does transcendence mean? It means that God is over and above his creation. God transcends creation. So people might only think of God as being transcendent. He's out there. God is so far away, he's out there. And while that is true, um, we'll learn later on that he is not just God out there, he is God here with us. So we'll learn about that in the next few verses. But here we see God transcends creation. He is above and beyond all of it. Now, some of us 
uh, like to look up at the heavens and see the stars, and we can't get a good view of it here in the L.A. area, especially with all the fires raging um, close by. Uh, we see nothing but smog and smoke and clouds um, or just empty sky. We can't see the sun or the stars. But if you're able to go out and, and, and find a place away from the city and, and look at the stars and the, the numerous stars that are out there, you feel so small. When you look up there, you feel like, wow, in relation to the universe, I'm just this little guy that's right here on this little planet in this little solar system. Um, and there's way more that is out there that God has created. But even if we just visit um, a nice national park who's been to the Grand Canyon or to Zion or to um, Yosemite, these are wonderful places that, that you can visit not too far away. And when you're in those places, you just get this picturesque scene of the grandeur of God's creation. And people, they, 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 they go to these places, and they're inspired by these places, and they're like, wow, the Grand Canyon is awesome. Yosemite is really nice. These are wonderful places to go. And many people end up just worshiping the creation. They, re they, they worship the things that are already created, and, and they fail to give glory and honor to the one that created it all. Rather, they, 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 they study it. They look at every rock and they break them down. And, and, and nothing's wrong with doing all of these good studies, but it's misdirected awe, right? Secularists, they, 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 they worship these random events that happen instead of the God who created and put everything into order. And then the pagans, they just worship the sun or the moon or the stars, and, and they place deity on those things, those objects, rather than God who created it all. And that's the tragedy of fallen humanity, isn't it? Is that we have, instead of glorifying God, we have given the glory to God's creation. Paul says again in, in Romans chapter 125, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. You see, the heavens declare the glory of God, but Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and come short of what? The glory of God, right? So as New Testament believers, we can read this first verse and see the heavens declare the glory of God, but then we realize that our sin has caused us to fall short of the glory of God of God. We are not doing what God has created us to do, to testify and declare the glory of God in our lives because of this sin. So we notice in verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. If you have your Bible and you, you want to write on it, it's okay. Um, not on the church Bibles, but on your Bible, write the word space in that, um, on that verse or next to that verse. And then in verse 2, David talks about day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Write the word time. So space and time declare the glory of God. From day to day, from night to night, from season to season, from one point in time to the other, from many, 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 many years ago to now, God's creation intricately reveals the knowledge of God. Remember David's many nights, many days in God's creation, 
in nature. And he isn't a scientist the way we think of scientists, but he observes that not only does space declare the glory of God, but every day it's consistently declaring and communicating the glory of God. But how does it do that? Verse 3 says they... Oh, I forgot to put that slide in. Verse 3, read it in your Bible, says, They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. They don't have a voice, they don't have a speech, and yet they communicate the glory of God by functioning according to how they were made. Now, you and I were given a voice, yes? We were given speech, we were given language, and that voice and that speech and that language must be used to worship God and glorify God. And what happens when we don't worship God and glorify God? Luke 19.40. In Luke 19.40, people were giving glory to God for all the miracles that Jesus was performing. And the Pharisees told Jesus, rebuke those people. But instead, Jesus said, if they keep quiet the stones will cry out. So creation is, is, is always uttering praise to God. And if we keep quiet, creation's doing it anyway, right? But God gave us a voice. God gave us words. God gave us language to declare the, the glory of God. So let's not fall short of declaring God in our words and in the songs that we sing and in the worship that we offer him. Can I get an amen from that? End of verse 4 into verse 5. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. David narrows down the, the, his attention to the sun. The sun is the most uh, obvious and uh, dominant object in the sky. It gives us light. It gives us heat. It determines our seasons, our time of day. Our annual calendar, the sun, does all that. And David uses this awesome poetry to describe what the sun does each and every day. It's like a bridegroom just got married, comes out of his chamber every day, says, this is a good day. This is a new day. I am so thrilled to be here today. So this is the sun personified. It, it, it's like a champion rejoicing to run its course. It's like when it comes out in the morning, rising in the east, it can't wait to run the race to get to the other side. It is rejoicing in that course. It is saying, this is what you made me for, God. I am rejoicing in this purpose that you have for me. So it rises at one, of the one end of the heavens. It makes its circuit to the other Nothing is deprived of the sun's warmth. So, I don't know about you, but this past few days have been unbearably hot. Um, and it's hotter down in the Norwalk area than I think it is here. We had a wedding yesterday at the Norwalk Church. And as much as we turned the ACs on, it was 90 degrees in the uh, sanctuary still. For the whole wedding. And you know how weddings, if you're a pastor, you're kind of supposed to dress up. And I can't get away with wearing, like, a T-shirt. Um, so I had to be in a suit because they made me pray and stuff like that. So it was hot. It was unbearably hot. And it's just a reminder, 
right? That nothing can escape from the warmth and the heat of the sun. Um, another version, other versions say nothing is hidden from the sun's heat. And this is kind of the, the, um, the transition verse that talks about God's general revelation to God's special revelation. Because as the sun rules over the day, so too does God's word rule over us. Just as the sun radiates the light, God's word radiates his light. Nothing is hidden from the warmth of, God, of the sun, right? And when we open scripture and when we're, when we're in God's word, nothing can escape the truth of God's word. Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. And so this transitions us into the next four verses. And I want us to read this together. But I want us to do this by holding our Bibles. You can grab a pew Bible so you don't lose your place. Go ahead and grab your Bible and give your Bible a big hug. All right? (laughs) And read verse 7, the first part of it. We're going to say, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. Go ahead and say it again. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. And just hug that Bible like it's refreshing your soul. I want to put your Bible on your head. And if, if your hair is nicely done, just put it over your head. And read the second part. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Can someone Instagram this? This is pretty cool. Go ahead and put the Bible on your heart, and we'll read the next section there. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. And I'll put the Bible over your eyes and memorize this real quick. Just put it over your eyes and say, The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. And then you hold your Bible out in front of you in reverence and say, Verse 9, the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. And finally, like when you're taking an oath, put your right hand on the Bible and say, the decrees of the Lord are firm and all of them are righteous. All right? And you guys can memorize it that way. Um, But yeah. As marvelous as God's witness is in creation. So we go outside and see, God, you are awesome. Look at all the stuff that you made. But nothing can bring lost men to salvation like the word of God. The sun, it sustains our life every day, yes? But the word sustains our soul. And so David, he shifts his meditation to one of just looking up at the general revelation, the awe of God, and now... He's intensely focusing on how has God revealed himself personally and intimately to me. Not only through his creation, but through the story of redemption. Say redemption. God's word is, a, is full of his divine revelation for us. Because see, sin, what did it do to us? It severed that relationship between God and man. And God took the initiative to redeem humanity and reconcile us back to himself. And how did he do it? Through covenant. Through the Old Testament and through the covenant he gave to Moses in the Old Testament and through Jesus Christ in the New Testament. And because of this covenant, we can experience God on a personal level. So 
like I said earlier, he's a transcendent God. He is the God out there, but not only is he the God out there, he is the God right here, right here, right here. And we can know him through his word. He is above creation, but he's also operating in his creation. He is God with us, and we call that his imminence, right? When God revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush, he didn't reveal himself as God, just a God. He revealed himself to Moses as Yahweh, I am. I am. And so he received the law, and he received um, an experience of God as his redeemer. God revealed himself in that way to us. And David is cherishing the word of God because it is that relationship that he has with God that is so wonderful for him. And it has so many qualities and it has so many benefits. So we're going to look at all these benefits. It says in 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. It's complete. It's whole. It is sound. God gives us everything that we need right here in his word to refresh our soul, to to, to restore us into right relationship with our creator. Luther said, the law drives us to despair so that we may be driven to Christ. And so when Jesus comes and he says, I have come to fulfill the law, he does. Christ is, as Paul says, the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Next, David says, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. When God testifies about himself, he is truthful. It will hold up. His testimony will hold up under scrutiny. It is steadfast. It is weighty. When we teach our child, our children, scripture and the Bible and the word of God, they're simple, yes, and yet it can make wise the simple. So don't say, the Bible is too difficult for me to understand. There's no way I can know God. Yes, there is, because his word gives the simple wisdom. It gives us wisdom. And there's no greater wisdom than the truth found in the word of God. Can I get an amen for that? Next one, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. Some of us might feel like, oh, Religion is so burdensome and oppressive. But see, that, that was never meant to be for God's word. It was never meant to be something that we whack someone over the head with, right? Now, if you have a big Bible, you could probably do that and get, no, but don't do that. I have a small one. Um, no, it's never meant to be oppressive. It's never meant to be burdensome. It's meant to give us what? Joy, right? So love your Bible, Love the word of God. Love what he says. Spend time in it, and it'll be a desirable experience for you. And there's a parallel to that. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. So when we look at the commands of God, again, not burdensome, not you know, oppressive, the commands give us a sense of God's holiness, right? We see God's commands, and we're, we see the radiance of the Lord, it's not meant to make us guilty. It's not meant to oppress us. It's meant to give us life. 
and light. And so we rely today on the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with joy and to shed light into our eyes, to remove the darkness. For once we were children, for once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, says Paul. Walk as children of light. Next, verse 9, the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. Now, the fear of the Lord isn't something that isn't a term used usually to describe the law, uh, but it does have a lot to do with wisdom. And so the law and wisdom were there for the people of God to know the Lord, to, to live according to his ways. And so um, the fear of the Lord, it says in Proverbs 1-7, is the beginning of wisdom. It's not corrupted by inferior wisdom that comes from this world. It's not corrupted by foolishness. And therefore, it will endure forever. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. They will always endure. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. Some of your versions say the, the judgment of the Lord is sure. It's firm, it's secure, it's steadfast. And all of them are righteous. When you think of laws and rules, um, the law of God is the law that establishes God's justice and his judgment. They are firm. We are accountable to his word. And so when we face the Lord on judgment day, and he says, what did you do with the word? And what did you do with my son, Jesus, who is the living word? Did we, did we obey? Did we accept? Did we receive? And for us believers in the New Testament, we know that when we receive Jesus Christ, the living word, when God looks at us on that day of judgment and he expects righteousness, he expects us to be perfect, he will look at not our own righteousness, but on the righteousness that we have in Christ Jesus. So when we come to Christ, when we follow him, God will judge us, yes, but not on our own righteousness or unrighteousness, but on the perfect righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ. Verse 10 is a wonderful summary of all this. They are more precious than gold, the law, the word of God, more precious than gold than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So do you treasure the word of God? Look at your neighbor and remind them, do you treasure the word of God? Do you seek to study it and obey it and memorize it? Is it worth more than any other thing that this world has to offer? Is it worth more than gold? For some of us, gold, whatever, we don't have gold, so it doesn't... <laughs> Is it worth more than your career? Is it worth more than your pursuit in life of power and prestige? Is it worth more than comfort even? Is it sweeter than honey? Is it sweeter than the world's entertainment? Is it sweeter than your leisure, your hobbies, your pleasures? I know we have some young, adult, young youth in the, in the room today because um, Pastor Mike wasn't here. So let me talk to you guys. Is the word of God more precious to you than Netflix? Yes. 
Is it more precious to you than your Xbox? Is it more precious to you than Pokemon and finding that treasured, rare breed? Oh, yeah, I, I did go there. Um, the struggle is real, yeah? I know some of these kids, especially, at, I mean, all of them. It's worldwide crazy, right? So these kids, especially at church, you're waiting, right, for the clock to hit, what, 12.30 here? And after that, you're going to see them pull out their phones, and they're going to be all over the church going like this. And hopefully they don't fall off something and break their ankle, right? And they're looking for this monster, right, this Pokemon, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, just don't end up on the news, guys, all right? We don't want you falling off cliffs or, you know, getting fired from your job or anything like that. Um, but, yeah, do we worship or do we um, cherish and uh, love the Word of God more than our own entertainment? God's Word is more to be desired than the finest gold and the sweetest honey. And David, even after he became king and had all this wealth, he treasured God's Word more than his own position, more than his own riches. Why is it so precious? David said, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. There's a great reward when we obey God's word. Amen? There's a great reward how we respond to God's word. There's warning. So the, one of the rewards is that we, when we heed the warning found in God's word, we will not fall and stumble and hurt ourselves. So that's a reward in itself, just not failing and falling. But other rewards are when we're obedient to God's word, we know that an award awaits those who follow him, who obey. All scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There's so much wisdom in the scriptures it has so many examples of how to follow Jesus and how not to follow Jesus. Look at the disciples and their lives. Some of them failed. Don't be like them. Some of them went on to be awesome apostles. Follow their lead. The book of Proverbs warns us of all this worldliness and foolishness, and it urges us to pursue wisdom and knowledge and live according to the Spirit. And the New Testament tells us to abide in Christ. Apart from him, we can do nothing. There's great reward in 2 Corinthians 5.10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So we will get a reward. Now, verses 12 and 13, David says, you know what? Okay, here's the word of God, here's the law, and how precious it is to me. And then he looks at himself. This is our reflection, uh, our meditation. Who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant from willful sins. May they not rule over me, then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. See, David acknowledges that even with creation that's out there that he can glorify God, even with the word that is in his heart and in his head and in his mind and even in, on pages, 
even as a man after God's own heart, as Scripture tells us, he has some hidden sins, and he has some willful sins that he needs God's help to take care of. The Word of God isn't, doesn't come natural to us as something we want to desire because of sin. Sin keeps us from reading our Bible. Sin keeps us from making his word more precious than gold and sweeter than honey. And that's why we find it a struggle, right? To live according to God's word. But see, it's not in our own strength as, as David shows us here. Who can discern their own errors? He is praying, forgive my hidden faults and keep your servant also from willful sins. Only through the power and presence of God's spirit can he bring conviction of sin in our lives and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so as we meditate on God's revelation through nature and through his word, he reveals our sins, our hidden faults, and he shows us our habitual sins. And our response ought to be just like David. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive my hidden sins. Keep me away from willful sins. I don't understand why I keep doing this. I don't understand why I keep falling into that same temptation. Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me. Keep me away from those sins that I keep on doing. See, the, the word of God is like a mirror. When we look at it, it uncovers. Nothing is hidden from his word. It uncovers our sin. 1 John 1, 9 gives us a promise. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Keep your servant from willful sins. Let them not rule over me. The only way that can happen is when the Holy Spirit has a grip on our lives, when he has dominion in our lives, and when we submit to him. We can't be controlled by our sins. We're controlled by his spirit. Finally, we can say, then I, am, I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. Blameless here means to be whole and to be complete. Romans 8.1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. We will be blameless, innocent of great transgression, when Christ's righteousness is upon us. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So don't dismiss the word of God as unimportant for your Christian walk. Believers, brothers and sisters, we need God's word. And so some of us are, some of us are so malnourished. And you can tell. You can tell when we're mal malnourished spiritually. It shows it, it's, it's, it shows in the, in the Christian who keeps falling into the same sin. It shows when we keep making excuses about how much it takes too much time to read the, the Bible, and yet you spend hours and hours on media. It shows when you, when you do not desire the things of God. You're starving and you're thirsty, and you're feeding yourself with the things of the world. That's junk food. We need the real thing. We need the Word of God. So read it. Digest it. Meditate on it. Love it. Get to know the God 
who has revealed himself through his word. Amen? Finally, and with this, I'll invite the worship team back up. David says, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is a great prayer. It's very short, and I encourage you to memorize it. Say it out loud with me. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. How can my words and my meditation be pleasing to the Lord? If it's based on his word, if it's based on his revelation, and if we reflect that back to him, then it will be pleasing and acceptable to the Lord because his word is perfect. His word is trustworthy. His word is right. His word is radiant. His word is pure. His word is firm. His word is righteous. And his word is precious. And so therefore, when his word convicts our sins, when it cleanses, when it warns, when it instructs, we need to respond like David responded. Lord, thank you. I accept your word and I respond to it today. And may my words and my meditation be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock. My rock. It's an image of protection and solidarity. You are my rock. And then my redeemer. It's an image of the God who delivers us from bondage. He delivered his people from bondage in Egypt, and he delivers you and I today from the bondage of sin, death, and hell. And so respond today. Allow him to set you free as your redeemer. So all of the revelation of God that we read in, in Psalm 19, the general revelation, the special revelation, our response is this. We accept it. We glorify this God who gave it all to us. All the heavens declare the glory of God, and so do I. I want to declare the glory of God. I want us to declare the glory of God through our lives, accepting his word, living out his word, receiving Jesus, the word made flesh. And let's grow in an intimate and knowledge, uh, intimate and loving knowledge and relationship and fellowship with the God of the universe. Amen. Would you stand with me today and I want to pray for us. And after that, I want us to respond in worship. I want us to respond by declaring the glory of God. So pray with me with arms outstretched. Saying, Jesus, the heavens declare the glory of God. And we at New Life do not want to fall short of doing the same thing. We want to declare the glory of God. So Jesus, our rock and our redeemer, we come to you today. We receive your precious word. We respond to your word because you are the God who reveals himself in your works of creation. And every time we see the beauty and splendor of your creative activity, we want to worship you. We want to honor you. We want to say, wow, God, you are amazing. 
And when we read your word, Jesus, your word says that in you, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Your word says that Jesus is the word of life. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And that's you, Jesus. And just as David cherished your law, we as New Testament believers cherish you, Jesus, even more. We cherish the scriptures that you inspired. We cherish the word that you have given to us through your apostles. So Lord, show us more of who you are. We want to spend time in your presence each and every day. Remind us, Lord, that you are more precious than food and gold. We want to desire your word. We want the refreshment that comes from your word. We want your wisdom. We want your joy. We want your light. Make your word so desirable to us that nothing else in this world would matter. And for those of you today who need to receive the word that you are forgiven and that Christ can restore you and deliver you from your bondage to sin and selfishness, today is the day of salvation, the word says. Thank you for listening to today's message. To stay up to date with what's happening at our church or for more information regarding our services, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org.